buddy. Hi, Dan. You look great tonight. Thanks. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, it's great that you're here if you're new. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, like Jack said, it's just great to have you guys here and have some new faces around and just people to meet. We love when that happens. A um, little bit about me. Like Jack said, my name's Matt. I'm the e-student director here at Elements. And um, to go along with that, that means that I get to hang out with high school and middle school kids pretty often. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, the fundraising that we do for them to get to camp, I'm the one that orchestrates that. Uh, going to camp with them, that's something I do as well. So I just kind of run that show. Um, and then I have a wife named Jen who is, yeah, cheer for her more than you cheer for me. It's great. She's wonderful. Um, but she runs the e-kids department where if you had kids and you checked them in, you probably saw her over there checking them in and meeting you guys and hanging out with them a little bit. And then we have a 16-month-old son named Bryson who is, he's, yeah, cheer for him too. Just cheer for my family. It's great. Um, Bryson is super cute. Um, and he wears like, I run the students and Jen runs the kids. He kind of just runs our house. So like he decides when we go to bed, what we eat, uh, how much time we could spend with friends or at restaurants and that kind of stuff. It's great. If you have a kid, you probably know what that's like. And uh, he's at this age right now where he's kind of just figuring out his personality. And we just got back from a road trip where he learned how to say the word no. Yeah. So like the whole trip, like whether he wanted it or not, it was no. And uh, it's just fun seeing him figure out like words and stuff like that. And um, yeah, he's just awesome. It's uh, Jen and I were talking uh, probably a couple months ago now, and she said, she said, I'm so glad we named him Bryson because like I can't see him being named anything else. Like he's not a Carl or a Sawyer, which were a couple other names we were thinking. Not Carl, we weren't thinking of that one, but like Sawyer, we were thinking of and uh, Neptune, which is something that the students named him. Yeah, yeah, Neppy for short. Um, but like, before she, before he was even born, like she knew that he was gonna be named Bryson. I had no idea, but like she, because she grew him, right? Like she had this different relationship with him than I had, um, and it was pretty cool. So it's like, he was born, she named him Bryson like months before, and then like now it's cool seeing his personality come to fruition within that name. It's like when you meet, um, so some of the kids here, they call me Tom, the Dalton twins, they call me Tom. They say it's because Jen called me Tom once. I don't know why, uh, but I think maybe I just seem like a Tom, who knows? But like there's a cool, there's a cool name for this whole like relationship between names and personalities. Um, it's like when you meet an Ashley and you're like, man, she's totally an Ashley. Or like, man, she is not an Ashley. She's like, I don't know, a Sarah or something. I don't know. But like, there's a name for it. Um, and it's called nominative determin... Not... Hold on. It took me like months to try to figure out how to say this. Nominative determinism. Um, and we have a slide for it. So I'm totally into crowd participation. So if you... Yeah, I don't know who that was, but yeah. Um, so if you guys, I'm gonna count to three, and I would love for you guys just to say it with me. All right, one, two, three. Nominative determinism. 
great, that's awesome. So pretty much what it means is name-driven outcome. And it means that our names determine our course in life. So that's why oftentimes, like, Ashley's will be like, oh yeah, she's totally an Ashley. Um, and that's why stuff like that happens. And that's why, like, Bryson totally seems like a Bryson because, like, these names determine kind of who we are and how we act. And there's a, uh, there's a guy who's been coming here for a while who, when he started coming, everybody, maybe not everybody, but, like, a good chunk of us thought his name was Kyle but his name wasn't Kyle, even though we called him that for like his first two months here. His name was Tony. Um, so if you guys know Tony, don't be afraid to call him Kyle. Like he's actually Tony, AKA Kyle in my phone still. And I don't think that's ever, that's ever gonna change. So like, so nominative determinism, like behavior flows from our identity and that, that, uh, that personality is saying it's given to us by the names that we take up. And there's a professor at NYU named Adam Atler who says that our names take root deep within our mental worlds, drawing us magnetically toward the concept that they embody. In essence, that we are drawn into what we're told we are. Um, so, so that you guys know I'm not just like up here making up science. I have a few examples for you guys. Uh, one of them's fake, it's from Star Wars because Star Wars is awesome. Um, but there's a chiropractor in South Carolina named Lee Popwell and like if I'm going to go see a, a chiropractor like Dr. Popwell is a good name I think Dr. Pop Great would be better but Popwell is good too uh, there's an author who writes books on the Arctic his name is Daniel Snowman right it's funny um, the fastest man alive he was in the Olympics a few years ago his name is Usain Bolt you guys might know him, like Bolt, like The Flash or something. Uh, and then the fake one, because Star Wars is awesome. In Solo, the movie that came out a few months ago, we learned that like Han Solo's name isn't actually his name. <gasps> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> um, the name Solo was actually given to him by an Imperial officer as he signed up for the Imperial Navy. Yeah, he was a bad guy once, it's crazy. Spoilers. Um, so ultimately, what nominative determinism means is that the names we are given or the labels we wear or the things that we're called, our identity that we take from that has the power to determine our, our outcome in our lives. Um, and on a serious note, like that's why things like name calling and stuff like that is so impactful on people's lives. And uh, I know as adults, when I'm driving, like I do it often, especially when I'm driving, um, but like when we call people crazy or lazy or mean or ugly or fat or we call them idiots or we call them stupid or any of these names, like those names are things that could stick with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and it's, it's, there's a nursery rhyme. You guys probably know it. Uh, I'm gonna do the first half of it. You guys do the second half. Like I said, crowd participation is great. All right, so the first half. Sticks and stones may break my bones. So that's what we're, we're told as kids, but I think that's, that's one of the most untrue things. I think um, it's one of the biggest lies we're told, but it's one of the, the biggest lies that we want to be true. Because uh, we're led to believe that words can't hurt us, but they could actually destroy relationships or they could destroy childhoods or identities. And that's why in First Thessalonians, Paul says to encourage one another and build one one, to build each other up. Um, so it's just, 
it's important that we don't let that negativity go and create this negative personality in somebody or this negative identity in somebody. Um, so as I'm talking about identity, I think I just want to define it real quick. The dictionary says that identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. So to change it around a little bit, I say that identity is a thing that you think is truest about, you, about yourself. So that's why when you watch movies and uh, oftentimes if there's like people talking to psychologists or something, they'll, stand, they'll say like stand in front of a mirror and tell yourself something about yourself that you want to be true. So you see people standing there saying, I am beautiful, or, or I am strong, or I am brave, or any of these things. Um, and it's because when we say those things, we often create that identity in ourselves, and that's important. But oftentimes, we get our identity from an outside source. We'll get an, an identity from somebody telling us, this is what you are. So going back to name calling, like if something, somebody calls you stupid enough times, you're going to start believing it about yourself that you're stupid or that you don't equal up to anything or that you're not worth anything or any of that. Um, so because of that, we end up, living our, end up living our lives on a fake worldly identity instead of the identity that's given to us um, from God, right? So a few examples of things that the world might tell us. The world will tell us that if you don't talk enough, you're unfriendly. I think that one's me pretty often. I'm a pretty quiet guy. I don't talk very often. It doesn't mean I don't like you. It just means I'm quiet. I promise. Uh, if you're an introvert, you're antisocial. If you're an extrovert, you're too social. If you don't wear a certain size of clothes, you're over or underweight, according to the world. If you work out every day, they say you're too in shape. If the amount of money you make doesn't hit a certain threshold, you're poor or not worth somebody's time. Or if you don't recycle, you obviously hate the environment that God created. There's a study done uh, a couple years ago, I guess now, where a researcher asked Christians, like, what are the things that you think are most important? And like, number like two or three on that list or something like that was recycling. And I feel like with everything else going on, like, Recycling's cool, but I don't know if it should be top three. Um, so like a few of these things that I said, like they resonate with me and I hope they resonate with you too. Um, because I think oftentimes we hear those things and like I said, they make us feel unwanted, unworthy or unimportant to the world. Um, but the truth, and this is my, my point for the night that I hope you guys remember as I go into everything else I'm saying, the truth is that you are not defined by who or what the world says you are, but you are defined by who and what God the Father says you are. Yep. You are not defined by who and what the world says you are, but you are defined by who and what God the Father says you are. And that who God the Father says you are, that's this kingdom identity that's contrary to this worldly identity and what that wants to tell us. And in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know Him. 
So like while the world's telling you that you're not worth it or you're unimportant or you're unworthy, here's God on the, under, on the other hand saying, you are my children, you are adopted into my family. So whether the world agrees, the truth is that you are wanted and loved. And if you don't fit into the box that the world says you want to fit into, that's totally okay because in the very first chapter of the Bible, it tells us that we were made in the image of God, not in the image of the world. And I just think, I think that's awesome. Um, so I'm gonna show you guys a scene that could, a scene from a movie that'll, that'll hopefully help drive this home um, and put some different perspective on it. Have, has anybody out there seen Avengers Age of Ultron? Sweet, I think like four of you raised your hands. Um, there's a few more over there, all right. <laughs> Um, this scene is like one of my favorite speeches in any movie. Uh, so pretty much Wanda, who is, she's a good guy now. She started as a bad guy, but she's a good guy now. Is kind of freaking out because robots are attacking. The city is floating and she doesn't know what to do. And, and she's struggling finding her identity in the fact that she's a good guy and not in the past and the mistakes that she's made. Um, so Hawkeye comes up to her and, and they're having this conversation and uh, I'll let you guys watch it and then we'll, we'll get back to chatting. How can I let this happen? Hey, hey, you okay? This is all our fault. Hey, look at me. It's your fault, it's everyone's fault, who cares? Are you up for this? Are you? Look, I just need to know, because the city is, is flying. Okay, look, the city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. But I'm going back out there because it's my job. Okay, and I can't do my job and babysit. Doesn't matter what you did or what you were. If you go out there, you fight, and you fight to kill. Stay in here, you're good. I'll send your brother to come find you, but if you step out that door, you are an Avenger. Yeah, the city is flying. Right, is that a great speech? Hawkeye's amazing. So, like, I watch that and I think that's oftentimes the conversation that I have with God. Like, when Jack asked me to come up here and, and teach, like, I think just this list of my past keeps going through my head. Like, like I've struggled with depression and I've struggled with going out and drinking and I've struggled with um, worth and I've struggled with relationships and I've struggled with all this stuff that the world tells me. You're not good enough to be up there to tell these people about Jesus and identity and all this stuff, but but then God always reminds me about these absolute truths from the Bible and my identity from his perspective and not the world's perspective. Um, so like when the world tells me to run or hide or give up, these are the things that God always reminds me of. So the first thing, uh, straight from Hawkeye's little speech there, is that it doesn't matter what we did or what we were because the Bible tells us that we are already forgiven. Because Jesus came down to earth and he died on that cross 
so that we could have relationship with God. Because in spite of our sins and our imperfections and all this stuff that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't build up a relationship well with God, we, we are able to do that. When Jesus died, the curtain was torn. So now we have this ability where we get to communicate with God and we get to know God and God gets to know us. And we, um, we, it's, it's awesome. And, and we just, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, so the point for this, it doesn't matter what you did before, only what you're doing with Jesus moving forward because once you accept Christ, you are no longer a slave to your addictions, the addictions you had or the addictions you have. You're no longer a slave to fear. You're no longer a slave to all these things that the world tells us that we have to be slaves to. You're no longer defined by any of that. You're defined by the fact that Christ died for you on the cross. And in Romans 4.25, Paul writes that Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and then was raised to life to make us right with God. So what that means is that when God extends his mercy and grace to us, he chooses not to harm us in light of our transgressions and our sins. And like I said earlier, because of that, we get to be a part of his family and his story and Jesus is advocating for us and loving us and he loves us that much that he was able to do that. So there's a quote by an author and a teacher named Dallas Willard um, that says, he, he meaning Jesus, he promises wholeness for our lives. In sharing our weakness, he gives us strength. He comes where we are and he brings us the life that we hunger for. So in that, I want to pinpoint where he says he comes where we are. And this is the coolest thing about Jesus that I love. Like, he didn't make us climb up this mountain and find perfection at the top of it. He came down off the mountain because he knew we couldn't do it. He loved us enough to come down here for us and, and rescue us and ransom us and, and all this stuff. And the cool thing about it is that God knew that we'd have these struggles from the very beginning. God gave us the choice to do wrong or do right or, or whatever. And, and God made this plan to get us out of that predicament. And that's what Jesus Christ is. And I think that's awesome. So like it says in Reckless Love, it's nothing we earned. It's nothing we deserve, but it's something that is given to us freely. So to go along with that um, and kind of build up your identity in that, I just want to tell you that he, God, has loved us from the start. And personally, I'm going to make it personal for you, he has loved you from the start. You as an individual, not us as a collective, but you as an individual. Jesus came for you. And nothing could separate us from that. It says so in Romans. Paul asks the questions, who can separate us from Christ's love? And I had them do a slide with the whole verse, but I'm just going to skip down a few lines where 
Paul answers himself where he says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. So put your identity, not in what the world says, but in the fact that you are so valued by God that he sacrificed his son for you so that nothing could or would ever come between that, that relationship with him. That you are forgiven and you are released from the sins of your past and what you did or where you came from. A few months ago, uh, maybe two months ago, we did this whole series called Changed, right? Where you talked about these five, these five markers of a changed life in Christ. So there were changed heart, changed mind, uh, changed relationships, community, and purpose. And those are the things that, as you're discovering Christ in your life, those are the things that the world can't take away from you. They can't take away the fact that Christ has changed you from who you are, or from who you were to who you are. So the second thing that God tells me is that even though none of this makes sense, I need to go back out there because it's my job. Just like Hawkeye tells Suwanda, it's awesome. But there's a difference between a job and a purpose. And I think oftentimes they, they easily get confused. So your job might be as like a nurse or a teacher or a student or an engineer or a pastor or, or you name it. Whatever you do, that's your job, right? Whatever makes you money. But a purpose is something different and something I think that you do within your job. And uh, Jesus states in Matthew 28, 18, some of you guys might recognize this verse, hopefully. Uh, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So your kingdom identity isn't in what you do for a living, but in how you make disciples doing it. Your kingdom identity isn't in what you do for a living, but in how you make disciples doing it. So back to the verse for a second. There was a therefore at the beginning of it. And I hope Jack taught you well that when there's a therefore, you always ask yourself, what's there therefore? And then like you go back and read the verse previously. And there's a therefore because right before that, Jesus proclaims that he has been, been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he's been given authority over the ads that tell you how to do your hair or what size clothes to wear. He's been given authority over how cool you are based on what fad you're into or, or what kind of phone you have or like how cool your fidget spinner is. I want to buy an expensive one, but Jen wouldn't let me. So all these things that we look at the world and try to find identity in, God has authority over them. He has, he has overcome them already. But the cool thing is that because he has authority over them, he declares them small and insignificant 
compared to the identity that he has for you and the purpose and the plans that he has for your life. So as followers of Christ, when you walk out the doors of church every Sunday, we have a mission and we're called to be participants in God's story. That's what Matthew 28, 18 says. We are called to make disciples and go out and baptize and be participants in bringing people to Christ. We're not called to be spectators where we sit on the sidelines and do nothing with the, with the grace that Jesus has given us. We're called to be active agents for him out in the world. And I know that when we walk through those doors, it's hard, right? In, in all honesty, going back to the scene where Hawkeye says, sometimes it doesn't make sense. We walk out those doors and in here it's easy to say, yeah, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live life for Christ, that's awesome. But then we get out there and the world hits us smack in the face. And there's heartbreak and there's poverty and there's cancer and there's death and there's all these things. There's parents losing homes and children being taken away. And I don't have an answer as to why any of that stuff happens. But I do know that as followers of Christ, we have a hope that there's something better going on. And 2818, what it's saying is that Christ wants us to share this hope with a world that needs it desperately. With a world that's hurting. That we need to tell the people who are struggling that they're worth more than money or a paycheck or a tragedy or a circumstance. That they are children of God. So ultimately, our job is to go out there and show the city the hope and light of who Jesus Christ is and allow that to push back the darkness in their lives. And in Matthew 5, it says you, I'm going to ask you to own that you again, make it personal, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And later it says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So find your identity in the purpose that God has given to your life and not the job that the world gives you. You were created to go out and shine his light in the darkness. And he created you for good works that the world can't hold you back from. So my next point, I'm going to start by asking you guys a question. Who are you when you step out these doors Sunday night. Because the, the next point is that when you walk out these doors, you're a child of God. So who are you when you go to the office or when you go to the gym or when you go to the classroom or you go to the field to play sports? Who are you when you go there? Are you just going to be who you were before you knew Christ? Or are you going to represent something better? So looking back at the verse from 1 John, where it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And thinking of, of Bryson and just the love of a father, I think, 
lavish. Like, I want the best for him. Like, I don't just want mediocre. Like, whatever, I'll get him, like, the worst car seat around. Whatever. Like, I want him to be safe. And I want him to know that he's loved. So I want to lavish him in that love. So back to the verse. Anyway, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So God made us who we are with a purpose and a story and a relationship with him before the thought of even having me cross my parents' minds. And he did that for all of you as well. It's like when Jen knew what she wanted to name Bryson before he was even born, she didn't tell me. She like led me on hoping that I could still have say in the name, but it was really all about what she wanted. That's fine. Uh, like she had this deeper relationship with Bryson. She knew him on this deeper level than what I knew him. So just like God chose to call us children of God, before we were even born. That's the same way Jen did it with Bryson, it's awesome. So when we step out that door tonight, I think individually own the fact that you are a child of God, not a child of the world, that you're not defined by the backward standards that the world gives to us. You're defined by who God says you are. And as a church, go out there and make an impact in the heart of Tucson for the sake of Jesus Christ because we have this hope that we need to go share with people. Stand tall when you walk out into the world because you are God's masterpiece. So in closing, just like Hawkeye was kind of this, this outside source that spoke identity into Wanda. I just want to tell you tonight that you are a masterpiece. That you are chosen. That you are a new creation and that you are forgiven of all your sins. That you are already victorious and you are set free like I said, from the crazy backward standards of this world. Men and women, you are sons and daughters of a mighty king. And you are worthy of the greatness that he has planned for you. And students and young, young folk, there's a verse in 1 Timothy that I always think about for you guys, where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Be an example in speech, in conduct, love, faith, and purity. I don't care if you go to school or, or you leave this room and somebody says, you can't do anything because you're a teenager. Don't listen to them. Because the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So don't let the world tell you something about yourself that isn't true. Going back to nominative determinism, let the name child of God 
determine what it is you embody and not the world. Live a life of kingdom identity instead of worldly identity. So we're going to go real quick into a time of communion. And I challenge you just to take that time and just thank God for the fact that you are forgiven and that you have purpose within him. Take that time to thank him for his son. Could you guys do that? Sweet, I'm going to pray this out. Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for the people in this room and your greatness and your grace and just the fact that you are a good, good father. And the fact that we could find our identity inside you. Something that's never-ending, that's everlasting, that's truthful, and we don't find our identity in what the world says we are, but in who you say we are. 